0: Hello friends, family, hello people. <laughs> you can tell I'm struggling starting these things. Oh, I am glad you're back. It is the Three Things Podcast, and if you sense a little oh, deep breath in me, if you sense a little oh, pep in my step... <laughs> um, It isn't because I'm taking something, (laughs) it's because I took a week off. Yeah, I got an entire week off of work to do some things around the house, but pretty much just be, and it feels really good. In fact, I am talking to you today from my front porch here on uh, what I like to refer to as Mitchell Manor. My parents live not too far from us, Um, my brother's close, my uncle's across the holler as we like to say here in southern Indiana, Um, and we are sort of a Walton's Mountain situation out here, and it is wonderful, Um, but you can probably hear, I don't know what you're hearing, crickets, birds. You'll hear a dog every now and then. You'll probably hear a kid doing something at some point. So all that's because I'm sitting on my front porch today because I can. <laughs> it feels great outside. And, you know, I, I have that perspective today that you get and that you seem like you can only get when you get a break. You know what I'm saying? So today I want to talk to you um, about three things about breaks. Um, and about taking a break in your life. Um, I'm going to talk about puppies, car wrecks, and slavery. (laughs) How about that for a podcast? I'm going to jump in, but a quick word for those of you who um, are maybe where I was last week about this time, (laughs) um, or I know I've been at least at times in my life, and that is where I feel like a machine, you know what I'm saying? where um, I get up in the morning, do the same thing over and over again. My life can only be measured by my productivity, Um, how many hours I put in or how many widgets I made. or And I just kind of start to forget what day it is, what week it is, what month it is. Um, And those of you who feel that way, um, man, whatever you're doing just take a physical, a real physical deep breath that you were meant for more you were meant for more than this you were meant for a full life that you are not the sum of the widgets you create the hours that you put in and the productivity you can prove here's what here's what a full life means to me. Uh, And and I'm speaking to you as one that it sounds funny. It sounds like I've got this figured out. And the truth is if, if you're sensing that I have it figured out, it's because I'm at the end of, of seven days, six, seven days of absolute relaxation. (laughs) So for the moment, I do feel like I got this worked out. Um, but when I feel full, um, I I've noticed a couple things. One of the things I've noticed is that that people take a front seat. That in the story of my life, that's playing unfolding in front of me, people are the star, like they are the story. Um, that's when life seems full. When life seems mundane and empty and boring, work is the point of the story. You know that's just a really boring story. <laughs> you know, you do the same things over and over. No matter what you do for a living, no matter what you know work is for you, making work the point of the story is boring. It's just boring. And when life when life seems fullest to me, like right now at the end of my vacation. I know exactly what my kids are doing, what they're, what's, what's fun right now, what songs they're into. I know what's on Risha's heart and mind. I, I've been down to my parents' house talking to them and I know what little idiosyncrasies are going on with their house and their life. And, and the people and the little stories in life, um, become the point. And that's when life seems the fullest to me. It also, when I... When I get a sense of purpose, it's not that, that work is worthless or that work somehow has no purpose. It's when I get a break, I start to realize what I'm really doing. Like, what am I, what am I really making? What is, what is productivity really? And what is most important even while I'm away from work and when I am spending time um, in the grind, as we say you know, this week I, I got to spend time doing things that I don't always get to do or not regularly anyway. And one of those things was I got, I got to spend a lot of time with my dog, which is funny. Uh, We got a new puppy in January. She's a German short hair pointer. Her name is Skylar. We named her after the Skylar sisters from Hamilton. You would only understand if you love Hamilton the way my family does. Um, and so it's spelled weird like Skylar and we call her Sky or I call her Skeeter for some reason. Um, And we just, I just spent a lot of time with her this week. I realized she's been better behaved. It's been really cool to spend some time with her, but we've got about 40 acres of woods out here and we've got a loop around it and I've got to spend some time with her in the woods. And man, after a couple days of getting a deep breath, I was walking through the woods with her and I just noticed uh, she kicked up a little covey of doves or something. And man, her right paw went up. And her tail set out straight and she's, you know, she just stood up. And, and for one thing, I remembered who she is. She's a pointer. She was built for, for finding birds, you know, and it just, this energy came into her. And of course it was that moment where all of her focus and all of her attention, I mean, she's a puppy, so she's just, just schizophrenic. I mean, she is everywhere all the time. Except for this moment when she, she senses that this is what I was born to do. It's funny. She's a puppy. She, she looks down at her paw kind of like, why did I do that? <laughs> like, just this inborn thing. But when she does it, she's on point. And, I man, I got, got a chance to see her in that mode this, this week some. And it reminded me that, man, there are things in life that make me on point you know, that like, what was I built for? And it wasn't 44 hours a week doing what I do. That's not what I was built for. Now, inside of those 44 hours and the productivity, there are moments that I believe I could be on point, that I could be focused on what I was built to do. But what is it that I was just built to do? And I got I got a really good perspective on that this week, Um, and to be honest, I think this podcast is is part of that. Um, Not that I somehow have a voice that everybody ought to hear, but that this uh, ongoing conversation about God and about life um, is something that I've been called to be a part of. Called? I don't really know what that means. That I, I that I feel born for. That I feel on point when I, when I'm doing it. So appreciate you tuning in today. Um, and I want to talk about that in you. I don't, I don't know what it is that makes you on point. Is it, is it grandkids? Is it hospitality? <laughs> um, I know my wife is that way. She's on point. She is, she is at her best when there's company coming and she is fixing stuff and the she's picking the right playlist for the music. And, and that's when she's on point. Um, is it creativity? You know, I got I get friends who just a whiteboard makes them charged up, you know, like there's nothing better than a clean whiteboard and a fistful of markers, um, to get them charged up. I don't know what it is for you, but you need more of it. I don't know what it is for you, but it there is something, um, and you don't have to believe what I believe. I, I believe that we were each created with something in us and that there is a creator who built that in us. You don't have to believe that to believe that you were built for something. And I know that because you're listening to this podcast. (laughs) I mean, why would you give up time? Why would you give up energy? If, if you weren't trying to get better at life, if you weren't trying to do more of what you do well and get perspective on it. Um, So we're all here. We're all looking for that thing that brings us on point. And I figured out over the last few years, I shouldn't say figured out. That sounds definite. I have discovered a way, a very simple but hard way of living that I believe leads to more fullness. Um, and it's working for me. Uh, I don't mean to sound like a Weight Watchers commercial here. Um, but what I have been doing over the last few years and implementing is something that has really, sincerely changed my life. Um, and for 1999, you can have... No, I'm just kidding. Um, I, I just want to kind of share it with you. Share you, with you this epiphany for me um, that has been actually going on for thousands and thousands of years. People have been living like this and I just adopted it um, and I'm still working on it, but I want to tell you a little bit about it. Um, and it started for me a couple of years ago um, in a, with a really bad incident, um, which is how a lot of our epiphanies in life start, right? We, something awful happens um, and it makes us change something about us. Um, and that happened with me. I was working too much. I was, uh, (laughs) that sounds ridiculous because I was more than working too much. It was all I did. I was, I was eating some, I was sleeping seldom and I was working constantly. Um, I knew I was neglecting everything that was important. I wouldn't call it an addiction. I would call it a ditch that I couldn't get out of, um, and work had just completely absorbed me. And so I, long story short, many of you have had this kind of an incident, so this could get boring, but I, where I ended up was with my GMC Yukon against a tree in drive and me asleep, um, with my head on the steering wheel. And a stranger woke me up and asked me if I'd been in an accident. Um, and I sincerely didn't know. The last thing I had remembered is I'd pulled into a parking lot just to take a break. Um, and that's all the last thing I remembered. And all I can think of just based on what I'd seen of the car is that at some point I had fallen asleep and forgotten to put or not put the car in park. And it had slowly um, gone up over a parking Lot and into a field where there was a tree, and my car didn't even look like it was dented. I was going that slow. My car was up against the tree in drive and running when a stranger found me, and um, it began a new pursuit in me. Not immediately. It's not like I went home and immediately made changes, but it it is sort of the milestone in my life that began a new pursuit of trying to figure out how to do life with purpose. Um, also how to be productive be- and also healthy because I, I do have a passion for productivity. I like to see things get done. I like to see projects get fixed. I like to see problems get solved. Um, I am a creative director um, at a company here in Bloomington, Indiana and there is constantly an opportunity for me to be creative and for me to see a project through. And that is really an exciting thing for me. Um, and I I love that and I think it's healthy. Um, and so I I got into this routine, um, that kind of changed everything for me. Um, and I wanted to share just a little bit with, with you today. Um, As I talk about three things I'm learning about taking a break um, and kind of wrap in this, uh, what I think is a very practical way to think about, um, at least for me, um, maybe you can draw something from it today, but a very practical way to think about my calendar, um, to think about the days of my week and how it affects my life. Um, So I want to talk to you today, three things about a break. Um, Here's how I know I need one. You know, that, that, that thought, that feeling of being on point, there's nothing that drowns that quicker in my life that kind of just dissolves that feeling quicker in my life than fatigue. And, And I don't mean just physically, but I mean, like, like I felt in the car that day, just completely out of resources in my body physically, emotionally, spiritually, everything drained. And I've realized that there are some warning signs that I just completely passed up. My wife's helped me with this. Um, Maybe some of these are good for you. And I, I don't know that they're the same for everyone. In fact, I'm sure they're not. Some of these might be some you share. But one of the things that you can begin to do to draw the line between healthy and unhealthy when it comes to your work is start to identify when unhealthy starts to show up write it down. Here's the ones I've written down. I I pulled this from, um, a note that I have on my computer where I'm starting to try to figure out when I see fatigue coming so I can head it off the past. One of them is when a change in my life makes me react in a ridiculous way. (laughs) I know I need a break. I'll tell you what I mean by that. When, when something happens and, um, you know, the the meeting or the, the party that we had scheduled for Friday night gets moved and I lose it. I just blow a gasket and I start saying stupid things. Um, you know, I can see by the look on my wife's face that this is one of those moments. This is a warning sign of fatigue in my life. When home starts to feel foreign and work starts to feel like home, you know what I mean by that? where you come home and you the habits that you have at work, you try to impose on home, and home starts to feel foreign. Um, It's dangerous. And it's a warning sign for me that things aren't right and that fatigue is setting in. Um, When stress wakes me up in the morning, um, which used to happen every day, and it still happens occasionally. And if it happens a couple days in a row where I wake up and you know, my alarm never goes off. I wake up before the alarm every day. Um, but some days I wake up and my first thought is of something stressful that causes my heart to beat fast. If that happens more than a couple days in a row, I am realizing that I'm in an unhealthy place, um, of fatigue. You know, when I start getting sick, um, and six starts piling on top of each other. Uh, last year at one point I took three doses of antibiotic back to back to back for what I think was at least two different problems. Um, but all of the related to fatigue, um, my immune system just couldn't keep up and I was getting everything that came through. That was a, a warning sign for me. Um, and, and and there's a whole list of others that may be different for you, but one of the things I started realizing was that I can I can identify fatigue before it gets to emergency, um, and that's been a really helpful thing for me. As I talk about these three things about a break, um, I, I hope that you take them as a starting point for you. Um, hopefully, they're helpful to you. That's really helpful for me to just to to be able to get them written down on paper. Um, both of those, those warning signs of fatigue. Also just uh, these three things that I do believe about a break as I come to you with this, I don't know how well you can hear me with all these bugs and birds and it's crazy. I got my headphones on and I can't believe how loud it actually is out here. You know, it's, it's peacefully loud with all these bugs and stuff. Um, but it feels apropos for me to come to you from my front porch today, as I talk about these things. Um, And the first of the three things I want to talk about when it comes to a break is that a lack of a break in my life feels like a lack of freedom. That's what it feels like, not necessarily at the moment, but when I look back on it, I realize I feel trapped. And what it does in me is something very, um, human. It does something very, um, Uh, sort of archaic. Um, it's a, it's a fight or flight tendency that happens in me. It's a phenomenon where I, I feel panicked when I don't get margin, when things are wall to wall. And I know that I'm going to work from 7am to 5pm. We're going to have to eat quickly maybe some fast food somewhere because then we have something else at seven o'clock and it's going to be 10 before we're home. And I'm going to hit the bed and do it again tomorrow. If that happens three or four days in a row, I get this fight or flight thing going on in my life where I feel trapped. I feel like I'm in a corner and I got to get out or I got to fight. And so fight looks like I get defensive quickly. Um, If I get in that place and I can see my calendar coming and I get kind of trapped with no margin I can't, I, man, you can get me defensive really quickly. Um, you can say something about my kids or you can say something about me and I'll just, I'll, I'll kind of fly off the handle. Um, I get grumpy. Um, I get selfish, you know, that's, that's the whole fight or flight thing in, you know, in, in, in humans, but also in animals is you get this sense that I have to protect myself. And I really believe that Fight or flight is triggered in me and I become self, more selfish, more consumed with saving myself, um, more consumed with protecting myself and defensive in that moment. And it is a real thing in my life. Um, so I end up fighting. I just fight or usually that's the first response is the fight or flight. I begin to run away. Um, physically I will start to withdraw when there is a moment for me to be with people. I will close my door at the office more often and be by myself. I will emotionally begin to sort of run away. You know what I mean by that? Somebody will ask you how you are and you quickly close up. Um, mentally I begin to become closed minded, um, Interesting. I, I almost feel like because of the lack of margin in my life in those moments, this is all in retrospect. I never feel it at the time. Um, but when I look back, I often feel like I become really close-minded and new ideas and new beliefs and challenging situations become threatening to me. And so I run away from them. I, I, I mentally shut, close my mind. Um, and I wonder if that's a whole lot of what I see in in social media posts and um in people is just this this exhaustion in life to the point where they cannot tolerate the thought of changing their mind because it's one more thing they have to do <laughs> um you know and the other thing that happens with people and it's it's not happened with me um but you become suicidal that's the the ultimate of flight is that run away i got to get away i got i have to get away from this to the extent of, I've got, I've just got to get out. Um, and all of that, I believe comes from this fight or flight tendency that we have when we feel as though we are trapped by our own schedule, when our work or our schedule has started to control us in a way that we have become a slave to it. So that's the first thing, um, about needing a break is that I, I think it's important for me and really valuable for me to to cognitively understand what's going on in my heart and in my life when I feel that fight or flight tendency that, oh, wait a minute, I need to do something to, to stop this trend because it's leading me in a bad place. The second thing I'm learning is that the breaks that are most important in my life aren't the long ones. Now, it's easy for me to say that because I've just taken a week off. I don't get a week off very often. Um, but the, the breaks that are more meaningful to me or breaks in, in itself uh, that are meaningful are the ones that are regular and short, not the ones that are long and few and far between vacations are really important. And I, I, I need them in my life, but more important to me is a sense of rhythm in my life, a sense of a time off. a a day I see coming a moment. I know I get a break. That's when I remember that I'm free. That's when I remember that I'm in charge of my own happiness, that I'm in charge of my own calendar, that I have set this thing aside and no one takes it from me. Um, Maya Angelou says this, every person needs to take one day away, a day in which one consciously separates the past from the future. Jobs, family, employers, employers, And friends can exist one day without any one of us. And if our egos permit us to confess, they could exist eternally in our absence. Each person deserves a day away in which no problems are confronted, no solutions searched for. Each of us needs to withdraw from the cares which will not withdraw from us. (laughs) Man, Maya Angelou. Often, in fact, maybe you're saying it to yourself right now one day? How can I get a one day away from all of my problems? How can I take one day where I don't have to fit, to fix solutions to, to fit problems? And, and, you know, Maya would say that if you can't find a day, then you are overestimating your importance to the work that you're doing. Um, I think that's a really interesting thought and I think I do it often. So the third thing I want to talk about is, man, this is something that has evolved in me over time. Um, and it's this, there is nothing manly or respectable or honorable about not taking a break. I remember there was a time in my life where, I mean, it hasn't been that long ago where you, I would say to somebody, Hey, how's it going? And they would say, Oh, busy. Very first thing comes out of their mouth. Busy. I am busy. Um, and I had this response of like, boy, this person must be really important. This person must be really just uh, smart. I don't know. Um, but man, since I've been getting some better perspective on this, I, I kind of start to feel like it's weakness. It really is. Um, it's actually weakness to be controlled by your calendar to a point where you can't, you have no other response to the question. How are you doing other than busy? Um, it's actually weak. It's disappointing to the people around you. And it's, it's bad leadership. The times in my life where I've neglected rest the most are the times when, when I've been the least disciplined. You know, the times when I look back and I realize, man, that's all I did was work. Or the times in my life where I didn't say no to anything. I didn't say yes to anything. I just, I just moved. I physically, I wasn't in good shape. I I didn't have any kind of a workout or a discipline Uh, with food. I just ate whatever was in front of my face or whatever was easiest. And it became uh, time just became one more uh, just passive influence on my life. Um, And I, I believe this happens to us when often we believe that it is honorable to work more that somehow it's respectable um, and it's a lie. When I begin to see the rest, um, when I begin to see rest itself as part of the discipline in my life, it completely changed me, but it also changed the way I see the whole issue of work. Um, People who claim they can't take a break have an overinflated understanding of how important their work is. They really do. People who believe they can't take a break have this just a, a misinformed, lost perspective on what they do and how important it is. I really believe that, and I know it because I've done it myself. If if you are letting somebody take control of your time to the point where it it you you have completely lost discipline for rest, this is a you problem. It starts with you. Karl Barth says this. I love this quote: "A being is free only when it can determine and limit its activity." That speaks to that first thing that I talked about when it comes to the rest. Is that since that I am not free if I am not in charge of my own activity. If I have to look at my calendar for permission to do something, or look at my boss, or look at that thing that controls my time, I'm a slave. And that leads me into a conversation that is ancient about rest that has really been um, just profound to me in the last few years since I put my car into a tree very slowly. (laughs) I would like to have been a fly on the wall to see what that looked like because I still can't really get my head around how that happened. But that did really start to make me take a look at rest a little bit differently. And um, the story I want to talk about today starts – thousands of years ago with a group of slaves. Um, And it's important that we know they're slaves. Um, Somewhere they were slaves for somewhere around 200, 250 years um, in Egypt. This was a group of people called the Israelites. And the story is being told all over the world right now by Jewish families um, and by Christian families um they tell each other this story to remind each other of a whole bunch of things um and today i think it's really fitting that we talk about rest as it as it revolves around this story but the israelites were were stuck in egypt as slaves um for somewhere around 250 years um and if just to give you some perspective on that that's about as long as the united states has been a country i mean you think about uh, those of us who are you know us citizens we We tend to think of U.S. history as history, you know, like that's all there is. But the truth is, you know, we are young. We are a really young country. In America, we have become something generation after generation. In Egypt, the Israelites were slaves generation after generation. That means your grandfather's grandfather was a slave and you were born into slavery. And the next baby you had would be a slave and you would... Be, you were just became a slave as a citizen um and that does something to somebody the thought that i am only good for the work that i do does something to your psyche and so the story of the israelites is that god rescued them he got them out of egypt and, and believe what you want to believe about the story um you know many of you know that the story is about um a man named moses who god raised up to um, to free the Israelites, to lead them out of Egypt. Um, there were plagues involved. There was a, a uh, in, the, in the story in the Old Testament, there is a, um, a sea that splits and the, the Israelites get to walk across and then the armies that were chasing them get destroyed. And, and all of that story leads to a really interesting moment in the desert where the Israelites have become a new people. They have, after generations, they have become have an opportunity to think of themselves differently, um, and it scares them. It makes them mad. A lot of them think uh, we were better off as slaves than we are out here in the desert as free. Because what do we do now? They became they became frustrated at times, and so the story is that Moses spent some time with Yahweh, with God. And at this time, remember, there were gods for everything. There were many gods, and and many people worshipped different gods and lots of gods. And Moses had a conversation with the God, the God that he claimed was responsible for getting the Israelites out of 250 years of slavery. And when he did, he, he said he came down off of this mountain and he said, God has given me 10 things to talk to you about. To kind of reset your identity. Now, we know them as the Ten Commandments, and they're all over schools and all over everywhere. Um, You don't even have to believe anything about the Bible to know what the Ten Commandments are. But what you may not know is that the actual phrase in the Hebrew language is not the word commandment. It's the word statement. So really what these are, they are Ten Statements. Which may not sound too significant, but I think it is because how do you go from being a certain kind of a person or a certain community or a certain kind of people to a new kind of people? Well, somebody has to, to say something, somebody has to start with a new conversation about who you are. And that's what I believe the Ten Commandments are. They aren't this list of things that you should and shouldn't do or you won't be in with God. They are God speaking life into a group of people to tell them who they are, to remind them of who they are because they are so wrapped up into an identity where they only are as good as the number of bricks that they can churn out for the Egyptians. They're only as good as their backs are strong for the day. And so, you know, the the Ten Commandments or the Ten Statements um, start with, with three statements about God, um, that there's only one God, which was a big deal and and that, that there's only one God, because at that point in history, there were many gods and you worshiped one for for each of the elements and for all the things in your life. And, and, and and this God wants you to know there's only one. Um, He also wants you to know that in the second statement is that um, you shouldn't make a physical idol or a physical thing to represent God because he's bigger than that. That he he isn't a he isn't a one physical thing that he is everywhere and he is everything and that he is much bigger than that and so that was a big deal and then he 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 says and you shouldn't use God use his name for something personal you shouldn't use God for something that that is just about your gain um, so that you shouldn't leverage his name in some way um, that's what taking God's name in vain, it's much more than just using his name as a cuss word. It's also just about this sense that you shouldn't leverage the name of God for any reason, which has incredible implications for preachers and for religious leaders and for people who may be leveraging the name of God. Um, so that, that's part of what that is. So those three, The first three statements that, that Moses gets from Yahweh is this sense of, this is, this is how you should see God now. This is who God is to you. Now, that is a huge implication for this culture. Um, to think of God as one and God is, can't be defined by the little gold statue that I make or the wooden thing that I carve, that I can't put him in my pocket and use him when I want to use him and then put him away when I don't, that he is much bigger than me and that I shouldn't leverage religion in some way to gain something for myself, um, that those things are all harmful. So those are the first three statements, and then the last six statements. So we got one, two, three. I'm going to skip four for a second. We jump to five, and we get five, six, seven, eight, nine, and ten. These are all statements. Honor your father and mother. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't lie. Don't covet. These are all things that involve how I treat other people. God is saying you are going to to treat human beings different. God is saying I because I am who I am. I am. I am letting you know that you can be a certain kind of people with a certain kind of lifestyle. You can live a certain kind of way where you treat people differently. That's what this thing was always about. It was always about living a certain kind of life, but right smack dab in the middle. So you get the first three that talk about how who God is. You get the last six that talk about how we are now as people because of the way um, God has called us to, to be a new kind of people. The one that's in the middle there in, in number four is remember the Sabbath. Uh, maybe you don't know the word Sabbath, um, but the idea of Sabbath is a break. It God says, I want you to take a break one day a week where you don't work. One day a week where your sons, your daughters, your servants, anybody in your house, you don't work, where you stop. Now, it's easy to bypass that, but for this culture who has been told that They are only as good as their work, that they are to work 24 seven as much as possible, maybe sleep and eat when they have to, but just to refuel because they are machines to lay bricks, that they are only as good as the number of widgets they can put out. God has says, you take a break. This was as big a deal as any of the rest of those nine to them because it spoke into who they were. It spoke that they were here for a different reason. Can you imagine the first day where they did nothing? The first day where they did nothing and they thought, what good am I today? And God's answer was, you are good as you are, with or without efficiencies, with or without bricks being laid. And that perspective makes you treat people different. That perspective, you take the first three, you understand who God is, then you take a break when you need it at once and whether you need it or not you take a break once a week on this rhythm of life and then you've got this this next six is about how you treat people and it is a direct reflection of getting perspective on who you are and who God is it's an amazing thing if you forget who you are and i'll just stop right here for a minute maybe you've forgotten that you are more than the number of bricks you churn out or the number of lines of code that you write <laughs> Or you are more than the hours you put in and the paychecks you deposit. This is a moment um, in your life right now that directly connects you to the Israelites thousands of years ago. Where they became slaves. And what makes them slaves is not just the work and the whip. It's the mindset. And I believe there are many of us in America right now and all over the world, but especially in America, because uh, that's where I spend most of my life. I've seen it over and over where I've seen that mentality of slavery, that I'm only as good as the number of hours and the efficiencies that I put out. That one day off a week is a reminder that you are more, that there is something that you were made for. Like Skylar goes on point. There was something more than the bricks that you lay. There was something more than the work that you do day in and day out that you were built for. And this is a moment for you to get that. Here's the thing. There's more at stake in the conversation about needing a break than about you just getting refreshed. Drives me nuts to hear this at work when people say, boy, you you know, you just can't work people all the time. You need to give them a break. And the whole idea is they're only as good as their bricks. So you need to give them a break so they can come back and make more bricks. That is not the point of a break. The point of the break is not to come back and be more efficient. The point of the break is to get more perspective on the efficiency. It's to get perspective on who you are and on why you do what you do. There's more at stake in this conversation than a break. It, it It's about you remembering who you are. It's about you getting perspective on, on what you're doing here. <laughs> so that when you get that perspective, and this is what happens in my life, when I lose perspective, I start treating people like crap. When I lose perspective and I think of myself as a bricklayer, I think of other people as bricklayers too. And they're only as good as their efficiencies. But when I can get perspective, when I can take a break, I began to realize that I was, I was put here for a certain kind of life, to be a certain kind of person, to live a certain way, where I honor people, not for the bricks that they lay, not for the things that they do in their life, for a living, but them as humans. Then you don't kill them. You don't take their wife. You don't steal their stuff. And then you don't lie about it. I mean, those are all the 10 statements that God makes about us and makes about the Israelites, that they are a different kind of people. But it comes with this moment of perspective in life. Friends, I've found something, I believe, when it comes to rest. I still struggle with sleep. I, I don't sleep well, but I rest. <laughs> and that is that I have been taking this fourth statement, literally. Been taking this fourth statement literally. What if? What would it look like if I literally looked at my calendar and said, not this day, not today? Um it does a whole bunch of things for me. The first thing it does is it reminds me that I'm not as important as I think I am. That <laughs> things are going to go on without me at work. That if the yard ER doesn't get mowed, it's not the end of the world. That if the things don't get done, they don't revolve around me doing them. I've found something when it comes to rest, it's a healthy pattern of life, it's a day away. Here's what it looks like for me. And, and I say this, my wife's listening to this. She knows like, I don't keep up with this all the time. But here's what it looks like for me. It means daily, an hour. I break it up daily, weekly, and yearly. Daily, I try to find an hour, either at night or in the morning, where I, I can just give that moment. It's, it's, it's like an hour Sabbath <laughs> um, every day. I'm not, I don't do it every day. I wish I did. I try to. Um, it's like working out. It, it really is a discipline like working out for me um, that I, I need to to keep with it. Um, and just like gaining a little bit of weight or losing some muscle from not working out, I can look down and I can see, oh, boy, I, I need to get my hour of Sabbath today because I can feel it in my life, um, that lack of discipline. Weekly, even more importantly— weekly, just like Maya Angelou said, just like Moses came down off of the mountain with weekly, it changes your perspective when you can write this day off as a day of rest, um, finding that day. Um, and then yearly, at least one vacation, a, a moment where you can just step away for a week. Um, so today I hope you get something from this, you know, um, for me, time is like money. Um, In a way it's, uh, it's even more valuable, but if I don't name it, if I don't, if I don't budget it, it just goes away. Like the paycheck gets deposited in my account and then the money goes away. At the beginning of the week, I, if I don't look at my calendar and choose what's going to happen, I get to the end of the week and realize it's all spent and I didn't choose any of it. It just went and man, it's, it's that way with time for me. So today I just give you a chance wherever you are, whatever you're doing, um, Take a moment today and stop, pick one day, just, just stop today and open your calendar and pick one day, tell somebody about it. Don't just pick it mentally. Cause then you don't have any accountability. Tell somebody in your life about it. I'm picking this day. And then on that day, stop. If you can't do that, there's a possibility you've forgotten who you are. If you can't do that, there's a possibility you have an overflated understanding of how important your work is and potentially an underinflated understanding of how important your life is. How, how big a deal your day-to-day interactions with human beings are. I, I don't know what it is that brings you on point, but you need to do more of it. And, and the path to that I'm understanding is, is this ancient story that, ends, that has a, a statement in it about a break that is incredibly practical. Really practical way of dealing with your life. So now onto to the Mayus. May you remember who you are today. Wherever you're headed, however meetings you have, no matter what you're going to do today, you are more than what you produce. May you rage against the machine <laughs> and choose to live instead of just be productive. May you take the time to plan your time. And may you spend more time being on point in your life. Friends, we're free, but only if we choose it. Thanks for listening. God bless.